You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I remain Louis Vertel. And I'm celebrating Trump's last full day of presidency. I don't have an identity. This is just all I am today. <laughs> That's all I am. It embodies me. Just a grin <laughs> and a emoticon. <laughs> That's it. Just joy, jubilance. <laughs> well, it is over. It is over when you're listening to this. Yeah, that's Unless true. Unless you're listening to this the morning of the inauguration, <laughs> in which case it's not quite over. Uh, but it's done. This girl. She's going away. It's a wrap, wrap, wrap. It's done. She has done a few final offenses. Yeah. Um, like, the, like the 1776 report. Delightful. Which, which is oh, his, his, his commission, his commission on race, uh, which was released on MLK Day, oh, which is yes. the conservative anger over the 1619 Project um, because they need to teach patriotism in schools again or whatever. I don't really know what this is besides a bunch of non-intellectuals, non-historians rewriting history and then just putting it out into the ether. Because Clinton did like a report on race during his administration too, and it's not like we study that in school. Also, teach patriotism. My eight-year-old knees were busted standing up and sitting down to do the freaking Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Like we are good. They mm. don't need any more of that. I was skipping school. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. Ahead. You're not a fan of his um, highly historical Garden of Heroes or whatever <laughs> that he planted for us, which has my, my favorite two type of heroes which are Republicans and people who are dead and can't refuse the offer. Like Whitney Houston? <laughs> was Whitney Houston among them? I know Alex Whitney Quebec Houston was there. Is. It's like, girl, I know you haven't sat through an episode of Jeopardy, so don't start there. <laughs> yeah, in the last string of things that Trump has been doing uh, before he officially leaves office, there's the 1776 report, and then there is the Garden of American Heroes, which will have statues of people like Andrew Jackson, Christopher Columbus, Mm-mm. Antonin Scalia, <laughs> Whitney Houston, <laughs> and maybe the most brain dead thing that I saw on Twitter uh, since I am back, unfortunately, mm-hmm. having a good time. I saw a thread where someone was like, Andrew Jackson, Christopher Columbus, these are American heroes. And then someone went off on them in the comments about how Whitney Houston shouldn't be in there because she didn't write her own song. And I was like, is this what I missed? (laughs) Elvis Presley didn't write his own songs. (laughs) Psychosis. Also, at that point, I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. She shouldn't be in there for multiple reasons. That's not one of them. She don't want to be in there. (laughs) He doesn't need to be there. Imagine if we put Britney Spears on Mount Rushmore. For what? (laughs) This is the actual fan art I would like to see, though. You know how we got inundated with the, like, RBG and Kobe and Alex Mm -hmm. Trebek and Heaven Mm -hmm pictures i want someone to actually draw this whole 
garden, like Antonin Scalia low fiving <laughs> with Whitney Houston, etc. Listen, I'd love some pictures of the Trump family in heaven. Why don't they go there now? <laughs> test shots. Go take some test shots. <laughs> Send them our way. <laughs> or do some like, are you afraid of the dark or like petrified forest thing? Like, let's erect statues of the Trump family, but we actually just put them in cement and then put them in the garden. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're trapped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've brought up Are You Afraid of the Dark now? And now I have to think of the episode where Tia and Tamara Maori are potentially evil twins and they run around and they confuse us at one point and turn into lizards. Yes. Was it a salamander or was it an iguana? Salamander. Yes. Oh my God. I didn't realize you were a fucking marine biologist. <laughs> I mean, you know I'm a big Are You Afraid of the Dark fan. My favorite genre that Tia and Tamara ventured into was this supernatural. I remember Twitches was one of my favorite movies. Twitches? Twitches and Twitches <laughs> 2? No way. It's my favorite. My favorite films. Cinema right there. Any colleagues of Jack Hay? Yeah. Friends of mine. <laughs> Lewis, side note, do you know Jack Hay uh, has joined the cast of Days of Our Lives? <gasps> yes, I did see that. Also, she is as whip-smart and hilarious as ever. Mm-hmm. So, And also dramatic. So she really found her niche here, I think. Basically, the showrunner, Ron Carlovati, um, who I'm friends with, told me that Jack Hay tweeted that one of the long-running cast members on the show, Suzanne Rogers, looks so much like Bonnie Raitt and it was like a viral tweet, and then he had been wanting to cast her on the show ever since, and she accepted. I have a friend. She's also in the movie Legally Blonde, Meredith Scott Lynn. Mm-hmm. She was on a soap. She was on yes, Days of Our Lives. she was on Days yes. of Our Lives. Yeah, she's a friend of my best L.A. friend, Andrew. Anyway, they grew up together. Uh, she worked at University Hospital. Yes, well. And she was a scammer. <laughs> now I'm listening. One time she was sitting at a restaurant, and Marla Gibbs walks up to her and goes, you on days? <laughs> hey, that's the best. You on days? <laughs> Marla Gibbs, who was famously on Passions. Oh, of course. Marla Gibbs played a character, and she um, loved calling her daughter Eve, um, who had an affair with a white man and then gave up the baby, a whore. Um, <laughs> but they always had her use a different word for whore each time. So that is how I learned the word slattern. Oh, great word. <laughs> oh, this is new. And the only word that rhymes with pattern, as far as I know. I do want to say about Marla Gibbs, so it was obviously just Betty White's 99th birthday. People need to be appreciating Marla Gibbs in the same way. She's still around, you know, still crack-a-lacka, so. How old is Marla Gibbs, Lewis? Marla Gibbs is 89. Oh. Okay, okay. Her and Betty White are two old sitcom icons. And Cicely Tyson, whether she's 84 or 127, we kind (laughs) of don't know. (laughs) All right, this episode, we will get into Biden's inauguration and whether or not we should even be having an inauguration in the middle of a pandemic. We're going to discuss celebrity gossip through the lens of Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. We're going to talk about Marvel's new series, WandaVision, and a lot more. We'll be right back. This episode is, of course, being released on the day of the inauguration because for the past few weeks, American politics just wants to fuck up our schedule. Right. They're not on our side. (laughs) 
Well, barring anything completely insane like the Capitol storming <laughs> happening at the inauguration, yeah. on Friday, the Biden inaugural committee tweeted, are you planning your hashtag inauguration 2021 at home watch party? Well, let us take one thing off your plate. And then they released a inauguration playlist curated allegedly by Biden and Harris um, and also DJ D-Nice. I want to say that I feel like D-Nice was largely responsible (laughs) for this playlist because I looked at it and it's good. Whoa, go on. It is surprisingly good. First of all, um, Mm -hmm. some of my favorite songs by some of my favorite artists are actually on it. They have... um, Come Together by the Internet, You Make My Dreams Come True, Daryl Hall, John Oates, A Now or Never, a Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige bonus track. But then there is Levitating by Dua Lipa, uh, What a Man, Salt and Pepper, uh, Run to the Sun, maybe my favorite NERD song. There's some Led Zeppelin, Doobie Brothers, Curtis Mayfield, <laughs> Jill Scott, Major Lazer. They do have that shitty higher love from um, Kygo. Um, when he desecrated Whitney mm-hmm. Houston's vocals to uh, get a chart hit. Oh, I don't actually hate that, but it does sound to me like Joe Biden couldn't have possibly contributed to this in any way, which is fine. You did the right thing. What would he put on, like Alexander's Ragtime Band? <laughs> uh, he'd put on Harold Hill. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, are the kids down with this uh, Connie Francis? <laughs> Um, of course, the playlist also includes the song You Get What You Give from the New Radicals. And I think we need to talk about the resurgence of the New Radicals in performing You Get What You Give at the inauguration. Because I have not thought about this song in years. Now, I was going to say, what do you think of this song? Because when it comes up, this is a song where people cite it as their favorite all the time. And it's like a, mm. you know, uh, it has a real fighting spirit to it. Joni Mitchell famously said it reignited her interest in music altogether, which is, I'll just say it, she's a little bit of an ordinary person and I don't love reading interviews with her. But She did wear blackface once, so. Right, Don Juan's <laughs> Reckless Daughter, I remember the album. I enjoyed this song at the time. Do you think it's like a legendary song? I know it's a favorite of Bo Biden's. That's why it was included here. But does this song, <laughs> is it among your favorite one-hit wonders? I think fondly of it, you know? Yeah. I think there were a lot of people who were putting it in their Instagram stories recently, and I re-listened to it myself, and I was like, you know what? There was definitely that TRL period where I was standing. you get what you give. Unfortunately, I have not thought of it since so maybe maybe it's not that legendary to me but i also don't dislike it Uh uh-huh it will be a strange song to hear because it does contain the lyrics courtney love and marilyn manson (laughs) which yeah if you wanted a snapshot of 1998 here we are i'm thrilled for any kind of throwback to that era just because i feel like we only think of it in terms of Backstreet Boys and Britney, so any sort of insight into a song that isn't the foremost of the air, that isn't My Heart Will Go On, mm-hmm. I'm very happy with. Uh, and also, I'm excited to see the the woman in that group, Danielle Brisebois, mm-hmm. was a child actor on All in the Family, and Emmy, one of the rare child Emmy nominees. And so I'm just curious to see how she's been. So that'll be thrilling. Sidetrack about that era you brought up, the Backstreet Boys. And I do just want to point out for people listening to Keep It Now that mm-hmm. Brian Latrell from the Backstreet Boys has gone full QAnon. <gasps> I no! know. How upsetting. No. It is, it is depressing. 
I will say that the name Backstreet Boys was already a better fit for a radical alt-right group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> proud Boys. Take that, Proud Boys. <laughs> we are in the backstreets. We really are. Yeah, he was tweeting about like being a real patriot, etc. It is, it is rather depressing. But speaking of the inauguration and QAnon, to get back to the inauguration... I've recently started following reporters who, you know, sort of decode QAnon, uh, mm. and I'm glad I did because <laughs> the most hilarious QAnon theory related to the inauguration involves the movie Face Off. Okay. One of the great movies. Okay. Certainly yes. one of Margaret Cho's um, best credits. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard because uh, obviously QAnon is this fringe group um, with a mm -hmm. bunch of conspiracy theories and there's always someone battling for control. There's a bunch of random conspiracy theories popping up all the time that don't ever really mesh. But there's one growing theory that Trump and Biden have performed a face-off. <laughs> what? And... That Trump is being inaugurated again for his second term, and that Biden, when you see like Trump, you know, like going to trial and et cetera, that is actually Biden being charged for his crimes, and Trump um, is going to be posing as Biden now. And when you hear um, Biden stammering or stumbling over his words, it actually is because Trump is learning Biden's speech patterns. And they mean this with sincerity. They really do. Well, you would know, Aida. You're the president of I'll QAnon. I'll have to talk. I'll have to, I was say, I'll have to talk to my boys. You call up Joe Rogan, Aida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no way. Um, the thing about QAnon, and I understand it's like half of America. I don't mm -hmm. mean to say it's just whatever, 15 people making shit up. Is what these people really want a creative writing class? Like, they're just having a good time yeah. making shit up and <laughs> believing in it. It's like creative writing into acting. It's like they should just go to a conservatory or something. Should we, like, get all these people into Roosevelt University in Chicago? <laughs> um, the idea that some QAnon person is, like, truly obsessed with the John Woo classic is kind of <laughs> hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's, it's what I've been cracking up about most the past 24 hours, which is hard because the inauguration is also coming with, um, you know, the terror of the Capitol two weeks ago and this idea that we are just on high alert as Americans now with, you know, a bunch of domestic terrorists popping back up like it's the mid-90s again. You know, there's <laughs> constantly these reports like people planning to pose as um, National Guards, you know, and then there's um, shit like the police 200 police officers like going to dc to sort of like protect um the inauguration when i seem to recall the new york police union endorsing trump so i don't know that we want any of that yeah, yeah. um and then there's just this whole idea of an inauguration in general to me i was just telling my roommate that um the biden harris sign that we have in our yard i am getting rid of on inauguration day because you know it was to signify to our neighbors obviously who we're voting for you know and to show your support but i just think that one of the main problems of the trump administration was this just sort of like um jingoism and attachment to like flags and like banners and things and i'm like we don't need to turn around and do that ourselves as I don't well, need to be running yeah. through the streets wearing Biden merch. I don't need to be waving Biden flags. I don't need a Biden sign in my yard. I think that that's the kind of shit that we should get rid of 
And even the inauguration, with all of the danger that's been cropping up the past two weeks, I don't even get the point of an inauguration during COVID time anyway. Fucking record Biden. I actually have to agree with that. Exactly. Yeah. Record Biden being sworn in, recorded, splice it in with Demi Lovato singing her democracy-saving single uh, (laughs) that she ran to the studio to record while the Capitol was being stormed, and that's it. I think they should also allow Katy Perry to sing Rise from the Clinton campaign, (laughs) too. I should have one victorious moment. Um, Also, I mean, like, well, you actually just touched on something interesting, which is, like, pop-culturally... Trump's entire life has been about signage, right? Mm-hmm. It's about like putting that word in front of you and making you brainwashing you into believing ubiquity, uh, you know, gotten through ill-gotten money is mm-hmm. impressive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've been watching The Crown slowly, but that show is really interested in the idea of how the royal family doesn't really have a place in modern society, you know, anymore. And like whether the pomp and circumstance is even necessary anymore. And I think particularly with a global pandemic going on, the pomp and circumstance of an inauguration is not needed at all. I don't know. It seems a little creepy. Just swear him in and move on. Roy Woods Jr. had a great tweet where he was like, just put it put it on Zoom and send them some docu-signs and let's just be done with this. Right. We, <laughs> saw, we saw Mary Kate's divorce on Zoom. Okay. Yeah. Anything could happen. I want to uh, invite and usher back in the era where we were all embarrassed and like, really quite reserved to tell people about who we voted for politically. Uh, I remember being like 15 or 16, and it was n- it was a faux pas to ask those questions. And now it's and now these conversations are happening. I mean, Lyndon B. Johnson was sworn in on a plane after John F. Kennedy got shot in the fucking head. So <laughs> there's precedent here. <laughs> right. We can do it on a budge. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. We want like a celebrity laden presentation, mostly because this will be the return of celebrities that we care about uh, being involved in White House activities. Yeah. Or it, people, won't that's be, true. it won't be Kid Rock or Ted Nugent or <laughs> Lil Wayne, who I guess maybe secured himself a pardon by cooning for Donald Trump. Uh, you know, you got Tom Hanks and John Bon Jovi and the Foo Fighters, John Legend, Eva Longoria, Bruce Springsteen, Justin Timberlake for some reason. I just want to say about Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, that is an exemplary straight man. There is something about Dave Grohl to me that like the humor is always just right. He does his job like A-level all the time. Lots of legendary music videos that are funny because he is funny too. Obviously in Nirvana also. I, I I don't know that I've ever brought him up on Keep It before, and I want to give him his props. When I see him pop up and things, and he was he was just on Kimmel recently, too. Mm-hmm. He's, he just seems like a doll. I think the fact that I didn't know his name until this moment right now is a good sign that he is doing exactly what he needs to be doing. But I love, <laughs> oh my God, I love the Foo Fighters. Uh, I fucking love Dave Grohl, too. You know, uh, I, th- I think there was a period, talking about the New Radicals, or there was a period where the Foo Fighters were also a band that was heavily rotated on TRL. Right. I did not expect to be into the Foo Fighters, but I was. Uh, and I still listen to the Foo Fighters. They sneak up on you. <laughs> that is a rock band that is heavy on pop hooks. And also, you just pointed something out about the TRL era. If you weren't a boy band or like a pop star lady, one way to get on the countdown in a reliable way was being funny. Mm-hmm. Like that was the other 
thing you could, you know, Tom Green and mm. uh, like Mariah Carey's Heartbreaker, funny video. You know, th- yeah. there were just that was like a good, reliable option at that time. We could just talk about TRL for an hour, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> I that's like my saying, inauguration. I I was gonna say, and maybe my J Lo distaste comes out far too often on this podcast, but um, I understand the Lady Gaga and Biden collab. I really do because they've worked in the past, and she sang for his campaign, and that felt like an obvious choice. She's been promoing the Biden um, presidency more than she has her goddamn album. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. She's been sneaking Easter eggs into her songs. If you listen to Bad Romance again, she says Biden over and over again. You just have to go back. <laughs> Um, but J-Lo, what? Like, J-Lo just performed at the Super Bowl, which I feel like that was more than enough of her performing that I've needed for, like, the past 10 years. And then on top of that, the last time she's even really done music is, like, the jingle for her new skincare that she's releasing. Like, there's not a lot of J-Lo in music right now. I don't need to keep seeing her. And um, I feel like this could have been a way better option for Normani. This is just me pushing Normani for everything. Oh, <laughs> I love J-Lo, but I'm actually glad you brought up this quote-unquote skincare line of hers because (laughs) I saw her Instagram where she had to pretend like this is my skincare routine and I'm like (laughs) J-Lo stop the comedy (laughs) every celeb who's like insanely gorgeous and we know that like they're injecting La Mer into their veins it is wealth is what it is, okay? You're not splashing water <laughs> on your face. <laughs> Toning, cotton, no. I always say Jayla looks like a lava lamp filled with champagne. That's what she looks like. There's like some sort of bubbling <laughs> under inner light thing that's always a deep amber that Crayola has not yet concocted. I, I'm proud of her and also always mystified and scared. Mm-hmm. Well, the QAnon boys think it's like the essence of children's blood. So You're right, right. That helps. <laughs> that helps you. Children's blood. Um, this is all to say I'm excited that this is all happening. But once again, yeah, I don't think that we really need an inauguration at all. It seems goofy. You know what I will say? I forget to be excited for Lady Gaga performances. I've come to expect them at regular intervals. I know they'll mm-hmm. always be grandiose and eye-popping, but it's almost like I'm inured to the thrill she once gave me, even though she always kills it as a performer. Like, I don't look forward to it, even though I know it'll be great. I can't mm. explain that. Even though you know we'll, like, literally be watching it at 1 a.m. in one of our friend's homes. Um, right. For, <laughs> for the rest for, of our for, lives. For, for years <laughs> to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's a very dependable performer. I mean, other weird side note about Gaga, I feel like so much of us completely skipped that cheek-to-cheek era. Right. And I've recently... What am I supposed to do, listen to that? No. (laughs) But I've recently (laughs) gone back and like watched some of those performances of hers. I'm like, she was killing it then too. Right. Maybe I'll appreciate it when I'm older. Yeah, (laughs) right. You mean like 50 years from now. Okay. Yeah, 50 50 years from now, I'll be like, hey, why don't you put on Gaga and Tony Bennett? Remember that? (laughs) They were eating though. (laughs) They were eating. They were eating. They were really eating. Yeah, at a different restaurant than me. But <laughs> Right. And it's the early bird special, but they are eating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, congrats to Biden. Congrats to Harris. Congrats to America. <laughs> right. I sound, like Ga- I sound like Gaga now. <laughs> Joe yeah. Biden, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just an Italian girl from New York here, ready to usher in our 46th president of the United States of America. <laughs> I think that was uh, pretty well. Good. Hello, let's celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Let me tell you something. I know Anna DeArmas updates was going through it on Monday. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas are no more. I'm still not convinced you don't run that account, Ira. <laughs> I don't think you were ever off Twitter. I think you were just on a different account. <laughs> I just want to say that this account, which if you're not on Twitter, you might not be familiar with Anna DeArmas updates, which gave you minute by minute playback of Ben and Anna walking and collecting their Dunkin' Donuts and whatever. This account really has <laughs> brainwashed me into believing that she also is an A-list star, even though we still only know her from Knives Out and she was in Blade Runner 2049. But otherwise, I don't know that I would even recognize her otherwise. And I am bl- blinded by her star power at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, the highlight of Anna DeArmas and Ben Affleck and the whole Anna DeArmas updates of it all is that she became largely defined by this relationship with Ben Affleck in 2020 because of mm-hmm. the pandemic. Because yeah. she's in James Bond. And if that movie had come out, she would have been more of a global star than <laughs> just being in Knives Out, where unfortunately her character um, is sort of like dressed down a bit, right? So like, uh, I think when Ryan Johnson was on the show, we talked about how he was shocked that this like glamorous looking movie star was auditioning for this role and then she did it so perfectly. But like, when you look at regular photos of Anna de Armas, you were like, she is a bombshell. That's why she's playing the bombshell, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, and what's that called? Blonde, based on that it's called Blonde book. Yeah, yeah. This has also made me think about Ben Affleck in a serious way. Here's just a critical thinking question I have for everybody. 
Ben Affleck, you would never not see a movie because he was in it. We're all like mm-hmm. kind of fans of his. I can think of at least three, like, you know, going back to Chasing Amy, always been a fan. He obviously has directed mm-hmm. a Best Picture winner in Argo, a movie I don't remember one thing about. I um, saw the sum <laughs> of all fears because of Ben Affleck. Okay, well, mm-hmm. here's my question. Does he have devoted fans of him as a movie star? I don't think so. You know, I am not really in Boston message boards. I don't really (laughs) parse that community. I feel like maybe he's a big draw as a movie star to people from Southie. Okay. So there's a regional fixation. That I understand. But it is so interesting. Like, he's obviously been Batman, and he'll always make movies. And I'm not saying he shouldn't make movies. He's talented. But it's so not like Leonardo DiCaprio or Robert Downey Jr. George Clooney. Yeah, the fervor that people have for these people. I really, I feel like he endeared himself to the world in Goodwill Hunting, speaking of. And I think I remember seeing him in that and going, oh, love that. But in Gone Girl, he's a virtually replaceable actor. It, right, exactly. I, Gone Girl, a, a movie I really, really enjoyed, would put it in the three and a half star range. Mm-hmm. I don't think of it as a Ben Affleck joint even, though. Yeah, Not a Ben Affleck joint. <laughs> Spike, <laughs> Spike Lee just ripped off his big tortoise shell glasses. He is in shock that you just said that. He's more in shock than when Fran Lebowitz told him that she doesn't <laughs> like sports. <laughs> By the way, Spike, Spike Lee would not let it go with what? Fran Lebowitz. He's like, isn't Michael Jordan the same thing as Michelangelo? Girl, you think Fran Lebowitz is thinking about that? She's buying Brooks Brothers blazers. Stop it. <laughs> the same man that made six movies like every year can't let something go. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Obsessive little freak. Uh, side note from the Ben Affleck convo, I am referred to uh, Pretend It's a City, which we talked about before. It was on Netflix, and it has a bunch of conversations that um, – Fran previously had with Spike Lee and I actually really enjoyed those conversations because it's really nice to Mm -hmm. see two artists talking about something that they disagree on but they're not fighting about it and they're sort of like engaging with each other's thoughts about it and I can see both sides of the coin Yeah, Uh, even though I do agree that with Spike that athletes are Fantastic. They're both New York City icons, but they both are completely Mm -hmm. bewildered by each other. So Yeah. Uh, Where is that one-act play? Right. Spike and Fran. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry, this seems so obvious, but you know who should play Fran? Lily Tomlin, and she would kill it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andre Holland as Spike Lee. Yeah, I was going to say the Spike one wasn't so obvious, but I feel like Andre's correct. Yeah. Getting back to the celebrity gossip of it all, uh, I have been thinking a lot about them as a couple and celebrities as um, gossip fodder in general uh, because I was rereading one of my favorite articles from the website Pajiba, which was In Defense of Celebrity Gossip. It was written by Kaylee Donaldson, and it really talks about celebrity gossip and this idea of how this is how we present stars or people to the globe, you know, and sort of how the like social mores of the day dictate how we present people. I think particularly about, you know, when you would see things like Richard Madden and Brandon Flynn, like walking around um, the city together, like arm in arm and like celebrity gossip is just sort of like, here are these friends hanging out together, right? You know, you can't really get into the idea of, are these two gay? Are these two sleeping together? You know, there's this this sort of um, whisper thing that still exists within celebrity gossip, and this this sort of thing that 
uses the idea of the paparazzi and writing about people to make people stars or like tell you a story about them. I think about Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas so much because I think about how Ben Affleck, when he was after that Goodwill hunting moment, when he was sort of becoming like a recognizable star, right? What pushed him over? Well, it was the relationship with J-Lo. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, which by the way, I, there are two bona fide superstars, like definitive pop culture icons, Madonna and Beyonce, who we just mm-hmm. think of as commercial successes, you know, music we all agree on. When the fact is, Madonna was, she had like a virgin and she had material girl. But when the helicopters started following her was when she st- dated Sean Penn, mm-hmm. you know, and like that yeah. vaulted her to this other thing of now there's a narrative that follows along with Madonna as opposed to just, you know, the music she puts out and Beyonce too. But, you know, when she was in Destiny's Child, that was a name we knew that was somebody who was constantly on the radio. But then she became untouchable goddess Beyonce once Jay-Z entered the picture. Like, well, I think another point to this is, like, I wasn't talking about Olivia Wilde until a week ago. I wasn't talking that much about Lori Harvey until a week ago. Like, the ways that people can just become burgeoning stars out of just the who they're dating. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I mean, you brought up Madonna and Beyonce. Britney Spears is a mm-hmm. prime example of that because I think that people are always shocked when they go back and look at music charts, right, and see how many number ones Britney actually had. And you would assume from how massive um, her career was and how she was the only thing that we were talking about for years in the early 2000s that Britney was on the top of the charts every single fucking week. And it wasn't true. We were just constantly talking about who she was dating. Yeah. Right. I remember, I mean, like I feel like the top of the 2005s and 2010s and you guys might not care about this but I feel like Joe Jonas and Nick Jonas were just getting passed out to all of the Disney Channel girls to like date for a couple of weeks now why would you <laughs> ever Demi say Lovato, that Selena Gomez now why would you ever say my Disney Channel watching ass <laughs> does not care about the Jonas that's true, Brothers that's true, that's true that's true I feel like you I feel like you had posters on walls and I'm sure you did like ripping out things from J14 and Tiger Beat just all over your walls <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that was just a, it was a claim to fame at that point. It was like a fast pass, a Disney fast pass to fame. Uh, which, by the way, points out what an anomaly Lady Gaga is, because although she dated Taylor Kitsch all those years ago, mm-hmm. like I have no real memory of the people she has dated and how long it has lasted. And I think for somebody mm-hmm. of that magnitude, that actually is pretty rare. Well, I will actually say that once you get to that magnitude where you don't need the machine of celebrity gossip anymore, you can sort of do what you want, you know? Like, Beyonce was constantly in the tabloids and in celebrity gossip because of Jay-Z and that relationship. And then, of course, she disappeared from public life. You know, she doesn't really give interviews anymore. That's why it was so Mm -hmm. shocking when we saw that Met Gala video uh, of Solange hitting Jay-Z because it was like, what is going on in the Knowles, house, the Knowles Carter household? Like, we have no idea what's actually going on with them. We don't really know what's going on with Madonna anymore, mm-hmm. except that maybe she is reenacting Sunset Boulevard with Diablo Cody. I hope you've been texting Diablo to see if she's still alive, Lewis. I know. Lewis. No, it's been an awkward... It's been awkward not talking about this on the show, because as you know, I am a fan of Madonna's and a friend of Diablo Cody's, and just know that... I'm not the same. Just know that. (laughs) (laughs) But I think about how 
Taylor Swift was one of those people too. Like she wrote about the mm-hmm. men that she dated, but she it was a constant parade of men in the tabloids with her. I mean, think about um, her and Tom Hiddleston, um, which was oh, yes. basically a bit of Anna de Armas or a Lori Harvey, Michael B. Jordan kind of relationship in that they were mm-hmm. constantly out together, constantly being shot by paparazzos. Um, and now she's dating Joe Alwyn. And for someone who is a movie star like Joe, we don't even know anything about this man, really. And it makes you think about how once you get to that certain point, you can have sort of a cozy relationship that doesn't need to be reported about all the time. Well, also, there's no civilization near the cottage where they're living. So there's no paparazzi <laughs> out there. Like, <laughs> they're, they're far, far, far away. And I miss, I really do miss this. I feel like because, you know, we're talking about how these relationships get started and that kind of champions the, the, the success of whoever's in it. But I miss being drunk at parties and conspiring that Lemonade was all a hoax just so that we could get a whole new story, like a new, a new conflict for us to talk about when it comes to Beyonce and Jay-Z. It's sort of what in wrestling they call kayfabe right you know it is knowing Ooh, that don't you say right to me like i would know that <laughs> it is the idea that you are presenting something fake for the audience but you know you mm. don't know what's real you sort of don't know what's fake you know there's people who are heels which are villains there's people who play the face which are heroes you know and you get that a lot in reality tv right you know you can watch real housewives and know that and sure, I have this, been. I want to update you on know that. that this Put divor- a pin in it. <laughs> know that this divorce is happening on a show, right? But then there's also the idea of how much of what you're seeing of the divorce on TV is real. Like, have they discussed this conversation that they're about to have on camera before? You know, mm-hmm. it's real, but it's also not real. And that brings me to sort of like the new Ben and Anna, who you brought up already, Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey. <laughs> We just saw photos of them that the Shade Room acquired of them like on a fucking like surfboard or something in the middle of the ocean with glasses of champagne. And I'm like, this is not a thing that normal human beings do. (laughs) (laughs) These photos look too crisp. The paparazzi was clearly called there to record you, and I'm like, they look like they look like Hitch outtakes. They look <laughs> like literal scenes with Will Smith, and like it's insane. It's insane. I don't think that they're not dating, but I also think that the relationship and all the press around it is very beneficial to both of them because, as you talked about before, Lori Harvey has dated Future and a bunch of other men in Hollywood, right? Diddy's son. (laughs) And so dating someone like Michael B. Jordan um, and being so public and cutesy with him like sort of makes her look wholesome and like she's settling down and finding love, right? And then on the Michael B. Jordan side, he has constantly faced accusations of um, being colorstruck and not dating black women, right? And so now he has a very public relationship with a black woman. Mm -hmm. What longstanding celebrity relationship where if they broke up would actually do something to you. Brad and Angelina did something to me. Yeah, that was... That yeah. shattered really? me, actually. Yeah, I fucking loved them. Oh, you said Brad and Angelina? No, I heard Jen and Brad. In my head, that's what I heard. <laughs> that was a very different <laughs> for me. Mr. and Mrs. Smith era was painful. You know, Brad and Jen were fine, but, you know, for me, I think... I've talked about it before, how like black people like really love Angelina Jolie. It's part of just like the yeah. exotic look and also the fact that like she was an action star, right? So we would watch her movies and we loved her. And 
I just specifically remember when Brad and Jennifer broke up in my household, we were team Angelina. Oh. (laughs) We thought that was love. We thought that was love. And, like, they lasted so long and had the kids. Like, I was actually Uh shocked when they broke up. I I would say I am team um, Elizabeth Taylor in the Debbie Reynolds saga. So I can't point a finger at you too hard. Um, That said, I am such a fan of couples. I made this comment, I think just on Twitter, not on Keep It, about people who are perfectly positioned as like perfect salt and pepper shakers because they're the same level of fame or the same type mm-hmm. of actor. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal and Peter Sarsgaard. Perfect. Thank you, life. <laughs> that, I love that so much. So I celebrate couples like that. I think this is the longest standing relationship mm-hmm. between living Oscar nominees, Ed Harris and Amy Madigan. I love that relationship. I hope they stay together. Mm-hmm. And uh, one everybody would talk about is Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito. But mm. because they threatened to break up before, I'm prepared for it. Well, that's only because Courtney B. Vance has not gotten an Oscar nomination like he deserves. That's true. Because that's he true. and Angela Bassett are going strong since 1997. Amy Madigan and Ed Harris <laughs> since 1983. Damn. See? And um, how long has Francis been with um, Mr. Cohen? That, oh, quite a long time. <laughs> that's, I think, the 90s. You know what? Great question, Ira. I'm going to check. That is another type of relationship that we don't really talk about in the like celebrity sphere because it doesn't get a lot of celebrity gossip because it doesn't involve two big celebrities who are hot, but the actor who gets involved with a writer or director and usually will just stay with them. Right. Oh, Francis McDormand has been with Joel Cohen since 1984. Right up there. Yeah. See, these are the kind of relationships where like, they will get together working on a project and then they're just together the rest of their lives. I feel like there are a lot of celebrities who are married to like a writer or like a director and it's just like we don't talk about their relationships all the time but they've been together for years michelle pfeiffer david e kelly yes oh yeah or even i mean i mean i guess i'm unfamiliar but did greta gerwig start off acting fully or was she a writer director creator the whole time i think she started off more acting and then moved back into writing and creating got you um that said i was a big fan of noah bombach jennifer jason lee too yes that said i i enjoy yeah. greta and want the best for mm-hmm. her august 4th birthdays both of you yeah me, me and greta gerwig well congrats um there's not a lot of relationships that i feel hurt me from them dissipating but i will tell you what i've celebrated in the past year uh kim and kanye of course mm-hmm. iggy azalea and playboy cardi have finally called it a quits thank god is she is she done tweeting embarrassingly in the middle of the night about this man who is cheating <laughs> on her constantly Oh my God, Playboy Cardi needs to just go by way of Lil Nas X and have a conversation he needs to have about being a gay rapper. He was poking it out all over town. Girl, just ready, (laughs) primed and ready. Before you finish, Aida, I just want to say about Iggy Azalea, I think people forget that there was a time, and it was exactly 2014 and no other year, where (laughs) she was cool. People don't understand that. There was a moment when you almost, like, or people tended to root for Iggy Azalea, and now we treat it like she was Vanilla Ice or something. Well, it was for three seconds, I think, and it was before I saw her face. It was only when I had the audio of Iggy Azalea where I was, like, in one song. And that was all thanks to Charlie XCX anyway. Yes, yeah. True. That, oh, but that song was good. That that verse was actually pretty good, mm-hmm. and, I, and I hate that I'm admitting it, but Iggy, Iggy ate. Iggy ate. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande, which was, you know, a breakup destined to happen but I loved the storyline around that. That was the most engaging 
I think, Hollywood couple I've, I've experienced in the past year, maybe two years. They were evenly matched. Well, I mean, she was slumming a little bit for him, but then he rose, which happens in these situations. Yes. That was a situation where they seemed well matched, but then also they both had there's a strange toxicity too. So I didn't know what I was really rooting for or if, if it was going to be okay. Cause it was so, so much mm-hmm. so soon. They were so infatuated. We knew it was unhinged. Like there's yeah. no, they met at SNL and then were engaged like the next day. We knew that it was going to crash inevitably, but uh, I, I was, I was along for the ride and enjoyed it. Yeah. But there's, there's really something to this idea that the celebrities that we talk about, the sort of content we consume from them uh, comes from this, gossip machine mm-hmm. basically you know it, it still feels like you know head of hoppers running around you know deciding you're gonna be a star mm-hmm. you're gonna be a star you know like that literally happened with pete davidson and now yeah he won't go away right well also <laughs> there's just something about like being a human being and why you remember people like it's easier to remember somebody if you now have a, another person to associate them with you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like yeah. that's like packaged in your brain now but for real r.i.p ben and anna you know, it was exciting. It was something fun, something for the quarantine time. It was. You know, something mm-hmm. for the girls get yeah. ready and party girls too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the summer. I hope that we still see him walking alone carrying Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees and and Munchkin boxes. Seventeen Dunkin' Donuts cups. <laughs> oh, and sorry. The the last highlight of that was the cardboard cutout of Anna de Armas being thrown away in the trash outside his home for the paparazzi to see. I thought that was an Onion article when I first read it. I was like, there's no way. There's no way this is a real headline. And also, there's like a rumor that that was Casey Affleck throwing it away too. Anyway, everybody's wrong. But this is, I think, the portion of the show where I say, Ted Danson, if Mary Steeburgen, if you split up, I will not be the same. Please don't do this to me. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, I love Mm -hmm. them. They're they're a good couple. They will. They are too. And good interviews about being a couple yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. i was watching old episodes of curb where they you know play themselves and it's just go back and watch that go back to like season six and really enjoy the newness and the love they're so in love you can tell they're still so in love remember when ted danson dated Whoopi goldberg that's it oh that i do oh yeah <laughs> I, rem- I remember the black I do remember face. the photos i remember, I remember the photos the black face. yeah <laughs> I remember he was like, Whoopi said I could do this. I was like, girl. <laughs> let, let, me tell, let me tell you that that man is so beloved and such a good actor that we do not bring up the fact that Ted Danson wore blackface. We don't. We don't talk about it. Right. We don't talk about it. And that Whoopi allowed that shit. I don't know, man. We like, as a culture, raced not to cancel him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he could wear a lint rope bracelet and I'd be like, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> just be a little stern with him. <laughs> Lastly, on the flip side of like the celebrity couple, you know, there's there's also the couple where someone is a celebrity and the um, spouse isn't really a celebrity, but gets elevated because the celeb starts to gain like notoriety. And I'm thinking, of course, yeah. uh, Mr. Army Hammer, who's in the news again, <laughs> his ex-wife, Elizabeth Chambers, we started learning more about her just because she was associated with him. Right. Yeah. No, it's like when John Hamm uh, broke up with Jennifer Westfeld, and then you went to the Wikipedia, and you were like, wait, this is a Tony nominee. How did I not yes. know this? <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked briefly about the Army Hammer thing. There's really not much else to talk about. You know, he has a fetish for blood. 
uh, and cannibalism, which doesn't necessarily mean that he is killing and eating people on the Cayman Islands. Uh, I've, I've read like a couple articles <laughs> about how that is sort of like a common fetish. It's the idea of being drawn to it, but it's not that you're actually doing that. But I do want to point out that two things have troubled me with that storyline with the gossip of it all speak on it brother ira one the videos that started coming out later that were screenshot from his private instagram account celebrities and non-celebrities alike curate who was on your close friends or your fence yeah Mm -hmm. okay exactly if someone is on there who's been given access who you know you have an inkling that that is the kind of person who would screenshot something and send it to um the daily mail maybe you shouldn't be friends with that person Two, I love that he had to apologize for calling the woman in this one video Miss Cayman. <laughs> just because she, he was like uh. fucking her on the Cayman Islands. I never once thought that she was actually a Miss Cayman Islands. I thought that he was just calling her Miss Cayman because yeah. she was a woman that he fucked on the Cayman Islands. And didn't know her name. Yeah. So <laughs> it was hilarious it. to me that it became a the uh, Miss Cayman uh, pageant made him apologize. <laughs> For implying. To me, it felt more like a vehicle. Like, it was like a cloaked apology. Like, I'm really apologizing for what, I have, what I've what i done and what you guys have seen. Like, I, at a certain point, I feel we violated Army Hammer's privacy at this point. I don't care what he's doing. It's too much information. I don't need to know that about that little white man's Finsta. I don't need to know about all of that. And now here we are. So that apology, it just felt like I'm actually talking about something else. I'm talking about the fact that you guys have seen me for who I am. There actually is a Daily Beast article that chronicles the whole Army Hammer tale well, including abuse Mm -hmm. allegations, etc. But I just want to say a weird uh, part of the story that has gone under-discussed is that he left this Jennifer Lopez rom-com. Shotgun Wedding? And then I started looking at it, and I'm like, this looks like the worst motherfucking movie ever. He just wins. (laughs) (laughs) You know, broad comedian Jennifer Lopez, right? Listen, she did what yeah. needed to be done in second act. Made in Manhattan. Oh. <laughs> which, yes. Which okay. was Bewilder Us with a wild movie. Okay, she yeah. was giving us Lucille Ball when her high heel was trapped in that grate and a dumpster was running towards her in the wedding planner. <laughs> you said Lucille Ball. You, 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 didn't, you didn't mean... You picked... Not seal, not ball. That's not who you meant. Okay. I did I did I did that just to terrorize you, Lewis. Just to see your face. Maybe Nicole will drop out and J Lo will jump right in. Like anybody's eligible say, at this maybe point. Maybe she should play. Yeah. Well then there'll be one picking them off the street. Then there'll be actually one Latinx person in the film. That's true. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Javier Burdem yeah. makes no sense. Okay, sorry. He's white. Ricky is Cuban. Anyway, when we're back, keep it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we're back with Keep It, our favorite segment of the episode. As usual, Lewis, Aida, Mm. what are we keeping this week? This episode is probably shorter than most, you know? We were just 
geeky in about celebs and the inauguration, this is going to be a long keep it. What are you really mad at? All right, I'll really wallow in this keep it. I'll just enjoy the space, spread out, do a couple cartwheels. <laughs> um, my keep it is to the universe's unending fixation with a Friends reunion. Apparently, Lisa Kudrow just confirmed that HBO Max is indeed working on getting the six of them together. Guys, they like get back together all the time. I have definitely seen an Instagram photo of these people hanging out. Courtney and Jennifer Aniston are very much good friends. For Halloween, Courtney dressed as Jen Aniston recently. Lisa Kudrow has posted a bunch of footage uh, hanging out with Jen and... Courtney. They reunited that this year's Emmys, the three of them. They went to, I believe, Jennifer Aniston's house. Also, what do you think you're getting out of a friend's reunion? Like, it's not like Pink Floyd. They're not gonna sing comfortably numb for you or whatever. <laughs> like they don't they can't revisit their classic songs. Um, have you ever seen like Inside the Actors Studio? That's as much as you're going to get. And let me tell you, if you want great interviews with the cast of friends, they already exist. Go and watch Lisa Kudrow's Television Academy interviews, which will um, sell you on the fact once and for all that she is so brilliant and so cool and you just want to be friends with her. I think she really seems like a uh, fabulous person. And actually, I feel the same way about Courtney and Jen. But why do we still need these people to get back together? It is just a show that they once did. There's nothing left to mine from the six of them hanging out. Also, isn't it just a reunion and not, it's not even like a, and just like that reboot where they're coming together. It's just (laughs) a reunion. And so... Okay, you're going to see them sitting in Central Park? Yeah. Cool. Is Gunther going to show up? Yeah. I, there are no options that make this a thrilling endorphin rush that you would get from watching the finale of Friends for the first time, which is, I guess, what people want from this. The, the th- only thing I would actually kind of want and would enjoy is if there were a way to do something a la um, the Curb season where they had the Seinfeld reunion. I was just thinking you about know? that exact like episode. That, yes. that was mm-hmm. funny. You know, the, the place to do that would have been on episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Which Matt apparently LeBlanc is a show. really good show. I've only seen three episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'll never watch it, but I support Matt LeBlanc. I saw all of Joey. It's just in that Showtime <laughs> universe of, again, I don't know when the show started. I don't know when it ended. Is it still on? Did it win Emmys? I don't remember, etc. Mm. <laughs> um, and also, I want to give an extra keep it to a story we are all suddenly talking about in LA. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be talking about it, but it just... Uh, sent chills down my spine, which is that so many people are dying of COVID-19 that LA County has suspended cremation limits. That's right. We are now a citywide crematorium. We are at the part of the pandemic where it seems like headlines are short Ray Bradbury stories. (laughs) And I don't know what this is going to be doing to air quality in LA. I suspect something. That's a whole other interesting narrative. Early in the pandemic, LA had such clean air because nobody was going out. Yeah. And now, like, in January, it's apparently, like, 50 times more disgusting. Anyway, I don't know what to make of crematoriums having a moment, <laughs> but that is the one thriving business at, that, at this particular moment. Well, technically, it's my fault, you know, because I did finally get a car for the first time in my adult life during the pandemic. So I'm contributing oh, re- oh, right. oh, yeah. to the poor air quality <laughs> But this story has also led to a lot of people on the internet talking about how, like, can't you just, like, taste or, like, feel that ash That's in the so air disgusting. from, like, the, cre- from, like, the uh, cremations? And I'm like, no, the you're fuck you're wilding. Yeah, I know. You're, I talking, know. you're talking about <laughs> it because you read this story. I, like, looked it up, and it's like the air quality is going 
horrible again in Southern California, but it's sort of like in the Orange County, Long Beach area. You are not <laughs> tasting ash on your lips in Los Feliz, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> Enjoy your ben- your $8 beignet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my keep it this week. Oh my gosh. I am, I, this is an anger I've held for maybe 10 years. So what you're going to see is a woman losing her mind. Um, my oh, keep thrilling. it. <laughs> well, you already like Boss Baby, so we've seen it. <laughs> right. It's not. It, it's lo- not like you kept your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You lost your mind. We realized you didn't have one in your first episode, Aida. <laughs> I'm, I'm one for setting foundations. My keep it this week is to the fact that I cannot fucking listen to Aaliyah on streaming still. Mm. Speak on it. Great keep it. Great keep it. I'm so mad. This conversation comes up around this time every year because January 16th is Aliyah's birthday and we always honor her. And it's so amazing to see that she has such a strong fan base that even 20 years after her passing, we can still, you know, celebrate her. But, okay, I should be in my room with Spotify blasting in like a FUBU jersey with a a hard mm. bang, a bang in my face, just shoulders popping, hips moving to every Aaliyah song that has ever been released. But instead, instead, I have to go on YouTube like a peasant, like a pilgrim. Like, that's so disgusting. And I mean, also, I say all this with an irritation. I, I should just own the albums. I really should. But what's irritating about it all is that Aaliyah should be accessible to the new kids. Everyone should be listening to her. Everyone should be able to Mm -hmm. consume her music. And the only way that that's going to happen is if she's on streaming so that a kid can pick it up and make a TikTok video to it. You know what? I'm going to send you the MP3s of her album. Girl, you do not have those. Take that. Take, take, I do. Take that, Aaliyah's uncle. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Take that black ground music because I left school early on the day that she died in 2001 because I was so fucking heartbroken. The guidance mm-hmm. counselor was like, are you okay? I know you love Aaliyah. <laughs> and I got to no. leave and I, I have been in my feelings for Since. 20 years. And the fact that I can't just put on Never No More on Spotify whenever I want to, fuck him. And fuck black ground music because they are also responsible for keeping um, the Tony Braxton album Libra from the public. Oh, that's I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, that album was produced by that label, and now we can't listen to it. Also, Ashley Parker Angel's debut album was also produced by that label, and that is why it's not online. Those are some of the hardest hair spikes of all time. So <laughs> I, uh, I remember him well. Um, I, I want to say, yeah, because you can only get on like iTunes, I think, her first album, mm-hmm. The Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, which has the stench of R. Kelly all over it. Um, <laughs> I know. Not that I don't love back and forth, obviously. But yet, you can't get Rock the Boat, which I actually think is the definitive Aaliyah single. I think For that's sure. her best single. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And of course, what Ira's talking about is all of her licensing rights and her music and her masters are tied up with Barry Hankerson, who is her uncle and also former manager. And until he sees the potential money and revenue that could come in from putting her music on streaming we're probably never going to get Aaliyah's music on streaming and what saddens me about it too is her estate has to release like a formal letter every year about how they're working on it and they're trying so hard and it's just devastating to know that probably is never going to happen um yeah Yeah. and a 400 page letter a 400 page letter (laughs) yes yes yes. never neverland that's what i'm gonna call it i'm gonna call it neverland (laughs) 
<laughs> but but we all know this is a problem in the music industry. I mean, we've heard Kanye's rants and ravings, and um, that's where I usually agree with him. Then that's one corner of the world. But um, just, I guess... Well, I was also going to say, Ira, I do have the bootleg tracks, but I didn't want to admit it on, on the air. Um, so I'll do it. I allegedly own those. I'll Ira, do it. Ira, too, allegedly owns those, Ira. <laughs> Fine. Allegedly. I'm saving you. <laughs> allegedly. Technically, it is alleged because a friend sent them to me, but I have not gone through the process of downloading them yet. Oh, so there you go. You're just... You're I have not committed a crime yet. Premeditating. <laughs> Every day. I'm about to reference a moment that almost yeah, predates your birth. Ira, can you think of the one award show moment regarding Aaliyah that still sends a chill of anger down my spine? Now, which one is this? Is it the MTV Awards? Yes, and what happened? I, I do not remember at all. It is when she won, I believe, Best Female Video, and Ricky Martin read her name and said, fucking Aaliyah. Ah! <laughs> Talk about a queen of the damned. Oh, Ricky. <laughs> that was my that was my Lucille Ball. He's yeah. up, you're up for the role too. Don't worry, Ira. <laughs> Ira, what's your keep it this week? My keep it this week is to Marvel fanboys or fangirls or fan theys. Thank you. Whatever Thank they may you. be. Uh who are online expressing anger over WandaVision. Why? <laughs> Because WandaVision is the new Marvel um, television show starring um, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany as their characters, um, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Uh, Wanda, of course, is the Scarlet Witch. And it is uh, basically being presented in the form of like a 50s sitcom. And then it becomes something more. Um, As someone who grew up watching Nick at Night's summer block party marathons sure. in the okay, mid-90s yeah. <laughs> where you would get Monster Mondays, like Lucy Tuesdays, I Dream of Jeannie Thursdays. Like, if you weren't watching that so shit, riched, yeah. if you weren't watching that, stay out of the conversation. Uh-huh. It's not for you, okay? Disengage from the conversation if you don't know what they are doing um, by presenting the show this way. You know, obviously, if you've seen... Um, Infinity War, you know that, you know, Vision sort of has to sacrifice himself to save the world. And, you know, there's a lot of grief wrapped up in The Scarlet Witch. And I'm assuming that this show is about her expressing that grief. I mean, it seems pretty obvious from the two episodes um, that this world they're in is not real. This sitcom world they're in is not real. You know, there's a moment where, like, um, Tiana Paris is in it and she interacts with Wanda and, like, she's introducing herself and doesn't even seem to know her name until Wanda touches her and then she says it. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of other moments that show you that, like, they're living in a constructed version of a sitcom. And I like the idea, too, that, like, it's slowly becoming more dramatic and as it becomes more dramatic, um, each episode is getting longer. Like, the first one starts out, like, 20 Mm. minutes, like a sitcom, and then the next one is longer. And I think it will continue to do that uh, as it also seeped into color um, from black and white in the second episode. Uh, And my keep it is just largely because we've all complained so much about how these superhero movies can get formulaic. I mean, we literally just talked about how Wonder Woman 1984 was a mess. Mm -hmm. So why would you not be excited to see... Marvel finally doing something weird and interesting that doesn't feel like what we see at um, a movie theater every four months. 
Okay, that was actually beautifully argued, but I do want to say this, and you know I grew up on Nick at Night. I can name both people who played Gladys Kravitz on Bewitched. Alice Pierce was the <laughs> one who won the Emmy before she died. Um, and by the way, shout out to Katherine Hahn, who plays the sort of Gladys Kravitz role on uh, WandaVision, does a really good job with it, as she does with everything, and the internet is rightfully celebrating her. So far, and I know the show is going to go a completely different direction. You just indicated, like, for example, that the episodes are getting longer. For right now, it's just sending up old sitcoms kind of without the comedy content. It has more irony than comedy in it. Mm -hmm. I feel like making fun of old sitcoms is in itself a trope. For example, they do that on episodes of Will and Grace, or they would do that on 30 Rock. So I don't know if there's anything for me particularly novel about seeing Elizabeth Olsen sort of act the part of Elizabeth Montgomery, Mm -hmm. um, or Paul Bettany going really broad with his, like, physical humor in a way that is not befitting of him or his lovely (laughs) marriage to Jennifer Connelly. So I'm hoping this show gets actually stranger. The ways in which it is indicated it's going to break the form, to me, just look like Pleasantville, a movie I saw. Mm -hmm. It's pretending to be interesting and it's something I've seen before for right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I watched the first two episodes and really struggled to get through them because they weren't funny to me. I did appreciate the irony, like you were saying, Lewis. What I'm really now enjoying, and it's hard because this is such an offshoot story that I was never interested in in the Marvel Universe. I'm interested in figuring out all the Easter eggs, all of the, I remember in episode two, there's a moment where Randall Park, who was in Ant-Man, his, you can hear his voice over the radio talking to Wanda. Mm, and so mm. it's interesting for me to now learn more about the Marvel Universe by, by this show and really engaging with the things that they're trying to give to us. But overall, I'm not enjoying it. Like I'm just allowing myself to be mm. like, oh, there's grief storyline. There's a time narrative. Oh, look how Wanda has to like live in this world. Storm is watching her. I'm really excited to figure it all out. But um, it's new. It's, just, it's all new. I love how meta it is. It's almost too much, mm. but I appreciate the attempt, and that's enough to watch it for me. Esselange once said, you got the right to be mad, Aida. Thank but you. <laughs> <laughs> I, will say, you know, I will say that like it's finally exciting for me as someone who grew up, you know, like, reading comics all the time you know Mm -hmm. to finally see like some shit that you would see in like a one-off issue of like an x-men comic or like you know a limited series like it seems like marvel is finally at least letting creators do maybe what they want on the disney plus show so it gives me hope that like even if this is messy and doesn't end up great it gives me some hope that they are letting people take a chance at being messy because I like something that may be messy but at least is reaching for something as opposed to something that's messy because it's literally just like a cliche. Here is beat by beat every moment that we need to present to someone um, so they enjoy this popcorn movie. Now, I will say, now obviously I'm not a superhero stand, but this you're right this seems to be a new direction for something in the marvel universe which i'm excited for you know how when you're like a kid and for example you'd say something like oh no i didn't do my rosary today and now there's a pandemic like blaming it on yourself like in a weird stupid way yeah i did not watch elizabeth olsen in the movie wind river where she was with Jeremy Renner, and it was apparently a great indie movie, and now I fear she is stuck in the Marvel Universe forever. I believe I did it. And I say this as somebody who really stand her in, of course, Martha Marcy May Marlene, one of the great debut performances of the past decade that people really should check Mm -hmm. out, especially since now we're obsessed with cults, and this sort of predates that. But I just want you to know, Elizabeth Olsen, I hope you're having fun in the Marvel Universe, but I am rooting for your return to... Timothy Chalamet size indie roles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm a really big fan of Elizabeth Olsen, you know? And it's it seems it's like a always, cool person it, too. Mm-hmm. It's always weird to remember that she is a sisters with Mary Kate Nashley. Personality wise, they are not alike at all. It's so weird. But then I think about the fact that like they started as child actors, uh truly children, babies even. Mm-hmm. Uh and whatever um horrors they had to go through in the industry it makes sense that uh elizabeth probably learned from that and was able to take her career and a trajectory that she wanted totally totally yeah so that's the clue if you want to be a really great actor make sure that you have an older sibling who goes through the hollywood machine first (laughs) right take notes and wait (laughs) yeah you know if he (laughs) was if he wasn't a creep we'd be loving casey affleck (laughs) right (laughs) I think a better I think a better corollary might be Kieran Culkin. Mm. That's fair. Now you're just gonna have me thinking about succession all day, bitch. <laughs> like you weren't already. That's your default. For yeah, sure. let me go rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's our show this week. We covered a lot. Oof. There, I don't that's think fair. there's anything left, let alone America. Who knows if it's going to be here in two days? So I have a horrifying suspicion that we will be forced to talk about Army Hammer every week because something new <laughs> will come out each week. Just like his PR person planned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine his PR person being like, I am tired of people talking about how he was not good in Call Me By Your Name. We <laughs> are going to make them talk about Army. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also, I want to give everybody the strength that they need because at this point, if you're listening, you will be on the side of having already seen the inauguration and therefore having already seen Kamala dancing. So I just want to, again, <laughs> make sure everybody feels safe. Or if you're watching Ira's Instagram stories, maybe you've seen Kamala dancing to the same video to seven different songs. <laughs> so just keep, I'm so sorry. Everybody just brace yourself. <laughs> this time when she said we did it, Joe, she meant the electric slide. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week stay safe be blessed god loves you reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 